0: Good morning. My name is Jennifer Quach, and I've been a member here at La Sierra University Church for just 20 years now.
1: My name is David Quach, and I call Amani Vietnamese SDA home, but i married him to the La Sierra Church family.
0: Our story is a long and complex one, uh, but this is a simplified, concise version, version for today.
1: Psalm 62 5, my soul. Wait silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him.
0: Jethro's story is all about waiting. I I mean, it's so hard to remember. Like, I think you said you remember the first time we met was...
1: Star Trek convention.
0: (sighs) That's what he likes to tell people, but (laughs) that's not true. Our moms went to nursing school together in Vietnam and so they've known each other for a long time. We kind of just got reacquainted at a friend's wedding, and then it kind of took off from there. Even before we got engaged, we actually talked about family and like, would we want a family? How many kids did we each kind of want? So we thought, let's go ahead and just, you know, start right away. We, you know, we tried for a year before we went to the fertility doctor. So then it was like a couple of years doing um, a lot of fertility testing and then treatments. We had just Almost been married for three years, and we found out we got pregnant finally.
1: <laughs> it was like a miracle.
0: So we had a fetal echocardiogram scheduled, and then a um, what do you call anatomy scan, so a full anatomy scan. And we found out that um, there was something going on with him.
2: In the first trimester, everything seemed to be pretty normal. All the results were coming back essentially within normal limits. It's just uh, when she had her anatomy scan. Um, early on when uh, there was a suspicion.
3: When the first ultrasound happened, um, we looked at the pictures and you could see very clearly um, just very large lungs.
0: So his lungs were growing too big and putting pressure on the diaphragm and flattening it out. And then he had some fluid in his abdomen, just like free fluid where it shouldn't be. So she saw all of those things and she said, you know, I I think this is something called chaos. And I was like, Never heard of that before. What is that? You know, I'm like I'm an OB nurse, I should know all of these things. I was texting David and I said, You know, they found something. You know, I texted him, I said, They found something in the, in the echocardiogram. There's something going on with his lungs. You know, I hear the words abdominal ascites and echogenic lungs, and I like, I know a lot of what that means. As an OB nurse. And so my mind automatically, of course, went to um, every single family that I had been with that I had to care for, or they had to lose their baby.
4: I'd never heard of chaos. None of us had. It's so rare that. Um... It's not something that you hear about on a regular basis.
5: CHAOS stands for, it's an acronym, it stands for congenital high airway obstruction syndrome.
3: So the incidence of CHAOS is unknown just because it is so rare. Um, It was first described in the 80s and there have been roughly 50 cases reported since then.
0: Found out that it was really, really rare. And I thought, I don't know if I'm looking up all the right sources, maybe I could find more. but it was just not enough information out there because it, it is actually so rare. So we couldn't even find any like research articles. There was no research done on this because they didn't have enough cases <laughs> to, to do any actual research.
1: I read enough about it to know that the odds were pretty bad. It's a de- uh, deformity in their, in their throat area, and there's no way to save them.
5: Like, most, most of the cases, you know, they die out. The condition is not compatible with survival because of the obstruction of the airway. So that would prevent the baby from being able to breathe at birth. And I, In my mind, I was honestly planning, like, well, you know, I have to make funeral arrangements. It's, it's, just, it's just so
1: hard to see, like, this, you a miracle happen, all of a sudden it's been taken away from you, like, so fast. You know the worst-case scenario, and you prepare for the worst-case mm-hmm. scenario, but as long as he's alive, there's still hope so you you
5: don't lose hope until it's like you know that he can't do it anymore so there's a variety of different conditions that are all lumped together under the term chaos so it was a matter of determining what was his situation so that we could proceed with uh, plans to try to ensure a safe delivery and you know his uh, ability to breathe after he was born. Uh, it was determined through a variety of different tests that there was likely to be an obstruction or a blockage at in his airway at the level of the voice box.
3: So we started to look around and, and, and figure out you know what we can do so we, we consulted Dr. Schmeich. He's a world-famous fetal surgeon. He has done hundreds of cases and he's sort of well-known for for taking on tough interesting cases so he went in with a camera through the baby's mouth down the baby's trachea found the obstruction and using a laser was able to make a pinhole uh, opening in it
0: and that relieved a lot of the pressure of the fluid building up in his lungs so if he hadn't done that he definitely would have died in utero because Everything would have just continued to build up and collect in his lungs and his lungs would have gotten larger and put pressure on his heart and his heart would have stopped. But once that happened though, then we could start kind of planning for delivery.
3: Normally when the baby is born by C-section, you remove the baby out of the uterus and immediately the uterus clamps down and to prevent bleeding and in the process sort of shears the placenta off the uterine wall. So. That was the baby's only source of oxygen. So even if you're really fast and you do your tracheostomy in a couple minutes, that's still a baby that's basically asphyxiated at that point. So we have to keep the baby on the uterine circuit while the procedure happens.
2: You want to do a procedure where the baby can still continue to get oxygen from the mom so stay connected to the umbilical cord. Also at the same time, work on getting an airway for the
3: baby. So anytime you're concerned about the baby's airway at birth, you can do an exit procedure. They are still only done at very few places across the country. And this was the second one that was done at Lobelinda. So
2: the baby is only partially delivered, only to basically the level of the chest, to the point where um, the ENT
5: surgeons have access to the baby's airway and figure out what they can do to help Uh, the baby breathe, and it actually gives us an estimated time of between 20 and 30 minutes to be able to perform the treatment that's necessary.
3: The complexity came from just having that many services involved and having that many people in the room.
0: Planning just for the exit procedure and the C-section itself was um, a lot of multidisciplinary team meetings. There was an anesthesia team for me, an anesthesia team for Jethro. And the OB team, NICU and PTNT, and then nurses that were involved too from uh, OB and from the main OR. They ha- I know that they did have like diagrams of the OR and how they were every, like where all the teams were going to be and how they were going to have everything set up.
3: Like 90% of the work was done way before we ever stepped into the operating room.
4: They wanted to do this mock walkthrough. So all the teams, everybody that was part of it, we all met down in the same OR that we were going to be in, and then we did a run-through. And that mock run-through was literally anesthesia saying, okay, the patient's going to be doing this, I'm going to be here with this, and then the OB doctors said that we they would come in from here, they would stand over her with in this area, and their table would be here, and the ENT doctors, they were like, we're over here with our surgical table. So they talked about literally kind of like dancing around each other. I'm going to move this way, and you're going to move that way. And and um, we did a walkthrough of the process. We talked about what the plan had been. It was like, okay, now it's getting real.
2: Jen was amazing in this whole process. Her, her goal was, how do I make sure that this baby is
4: as healthy as possible? And she, that was always her mindset. Being her friend and being her nurse, it was probably one of the harder things that I've had to do because it's like at the same time, you're like... You love that person, and you're scared for them, and you're scared for her baby, but at the same time, you have the best possible team. You have all these people who have come together to take care of your friend and give her and her baby the best possible care that they could get.
0: I remember um, getting set up for, for the surgery and everything, and I laid back down on the table, and my doctor, Dr. Yoon, was holding my hand on one side, and Amber, my uh, friend from work, was holding my hand on the other side. And I just remember Dr. Yun saying, we love you, Jen. And Amber said the same thing, we love you, Jen. And I said, I love you guys too. So it was definitely like a sense of peace. You know, I I fell asleep knowing that they were gonna take good care of me.
4: Everybody's like, (sighs) holding their breath.
0: He was halfway out for about 15 minutes total.
1: Knowing that we're at Loma Linda, I felt at ease just because I know that Jennifer's friends with all these nurses and doctors. That they're gonna do their best to take care of her. Not that not that they wouldn't do it for anyone else, but you know, because it's it's like family. It's, there's just that little extra touch. Yeah, I. I wasn't uh, too worried. No, you know, no matter the outcome, at least I knew that yeah, you know, she was in really good hands.
0: And once the surgery was over, and they said, it just went like clockwork. You know, they said they were so prepared and doing that dry run beforehand. They said. It couldn't have gone any better like it just went perfectly so smoothly that they were all just wow (laughs) we can't believe we just did that (laughs) it went so well
4: it was a a good a good successful feeling
0: he was in the NICU for six weeks and I think I would actually say that his NICU stay was was also actually pretty smooth sailing he was on the ventilator for 10 days but then he came off of the ventilator and was breathing on his own already i think the hardest part probably was that we couldn't hold him until he was off of the ventilator and as soon as we did get to hold him we did skin to skin right away and he was breathing so hard and fast and um, when i got to do skin to skin with him he immediately just calmed right down
1: He's actually a really serious baby, and he smiles at me like he'll look at you and he'll just stare and like, it's like he's trying to figure you out. He's very focused.
5: At the moment Jethro has a tracheostomy, um, his mother being a nurse is um, an excellent caretaker for him and we're planning on having another procedure on him to continue work on opening up that uh, area of obstruction so that then hopefully he will be able to undergo the process to have the tracheostomy tube removed once that airway opening is large enough to, for him to be able to breathe through. With um, all the
2: treatments um, that he's getting through Dr. Jaleski, I'm hoping that he, he'll be able to talk eventually and that you know Jen and um, David can hear things like mom and dad or mama and daddy.
1: From, from all that we, we experienced, you know, like, I think I, I um, have to planned for Jethro's funeral but like now now he's alive and we have him and despite all these problems, just yeah, the fact that he's alive and, and thriving. To me that to me that's like my favorite thing. When Jethro came home from the NICU, he came home with a lot.
0: Lots of equipment and supplies.
1: Lots of care we needed to give him.
0: Every day, we clean around his trach tube.
1: Change his gauze.
0: And his ties.
1: Once a week, we change his trach.
0: He requires a lot of suctioning.
1: All day long.
0: Almost every night.
1: Sometimes several times a night.
0: If you sit in the parking lot side transept, you may have heard the suction machine.
1: From where we sit in the back row.
0: It sounds like this.
1: Jethro has had three procedures since he came home from the NICU.
0: All to make progress on clearing the obstruction in his airway.
1: It's not as easy as it sounds.
0: We still have more procedures and surgeries to come. So So we wait. wait. When we chose the name Jethro, we were only 11 weeks pregnant.
1: We had no idea what was in store.
0: We had no idea the challenges that lay ahead.
1: When we chose the name Jethro, we didn't know that God would work through our son
0: to give us exactly what his name means.
1: Jethro means abundance.
0: An abundance of love
1: an abundance of joy,
0: of grace,
1: of patience,
0: of knowledge, and abundance abundance of of life. life. Our connection with the Divine,
1: our relationship with God, gives us strength, gives us courage, gives us hope. Most days are not easy.
0: Some days are a struggle.
1: We have had so much help
0: From family.
1: We've had so much support. From friends. Pretty much the whole pastoral team was with us the night before delivery. To pray with us. And talk with us.
0: To listen to us.
1: To understand.
0: After so much waiting, we We still wait. wait. Jethro has a long road ahead of him.
1: And it's a road that we will all Travel together,
0: with God's help, my soul, wait silently,
1: for God alone, for For my expectation expectation is from Him.
6: Isn't that incredible? If you're visiting um, during the summer, we take a little break from a pastor doing a full sermon, and we listen to our church members tell their stories, and um, for good reason, because we hear stories like this, and all the stories we've heard this summer. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. This is the framing device that David and Jennifer have chosen for their story they told today. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. Just for a few minutes, I want to unpack just this one verse from Psalm 65. Psalm 65, I encourage you to read it, is a beautiful psalm of trust in the hymnal of the Hebrew people, the Psalms. But we'll focus on just verse 5, since this is the verse they've chosen to anchor their story with. The interesting thing is if you look at various translations of Psalm 62 verse 5 you will notice that the phrasing is a little different and the word choice is a little different for uh, different translations the new king's james version which uh, david and jennifer has chosen says my soul wait silently for god alone for my expectation is from him the king's james version says my soul wait thou only upon god for my expectation is from him Similar, but it leaves out the silently Young's literal translation says only for God Be silent. O my soul for from him is my hope So we see they use the word hope there, and they don't use the word wait. They only use silent and Then again, we see in the new international version that says yes my soul find rest in God my hope Comes from him. And as you study the Hebrew word, damam, you actually see that these four words that you see on the screens are used throughout uh, the Hebrew scriptures when that word is translated into English. And it is interesting, I find, that the various translations and people who who translate Bible differently choose the different words. As I was studying this a little bit more, you could actually use any of these words to translate the text. The word damam can mean to be still. The word can mean to rest. The word can mean to be silent and not speak, and the word can also mean to wait. And as I've listened to the story of Jethro and David and Jen's waiting, I cannot help but think that when we translate this verse, perhaps all these words are intended in our Christian experience. My soul, be still, rest, be silent, and wait for God alone, for my expectation is from Him." See, the psalmist talks about being confronted with turmoil in his life, and his turmoil is different than the chaos that David and Jennifer and their families experience. His turmoil was about a different kind of enemy, a physical enemy, And there was battle and there were thrones and all these kind of things. But as we dive into scripture, we know that the psalmist's experience reaches across the pages into our experiences. And we know that whatever chaos we have, this text is true for us. Be still. Rest. Be silent. Wait. Whenever we are confronted with chaos in our lives that is what God calls on us to do frankly sometimes that is the only option because we are at the end of our resources the end of our energies and the ends of our hopes and then we just be still, rest, be silent and wait but in the Hebrew this word is in fact an imperative it is a charge, it's an exhortation not only when you're at the end uh, of your options it is also to lean into this rest and this being still when I think of David and Jennifer's story I don't know if you caught this you can go watch this online again to me it is mind-blowing the miracle of modern medicine the ministry of healing of Jesus works through places like Loma Linda who can put all these plans in place and as I was thinking about this psalm to wait to rest to be silent uh, for God, I cannot help but think of David and Jennifer's experience. As you heard from this beautiful video that was put together, what an incredible team of people they put together to get Jethro to be alive and well. With this graph, and the video scrolls down, there is more. You can probably not see it up close, but there's little smiley faces for each of these. I love that touch. Each of these physicians and nurses and medical staff, they're little... There were a lot of plans put in place in order to make this happen, yet with all the scurrying and all the busyness and all the plans, and you could see pages of instructions. If you have time to read this later you can see there's the if yes to the answer from the anesthesiologist then this da, 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 da. if no then David Nelson will initiate the amniofusion and George will do this it is an incredible plan that is set in motion to happen this yet while all of this motion is happening Jen is still she's quiet she rests she's resting now david is resting also and waiting but in a different kind of way and so david and jennifer's experiences are perhaps the tension of what we experience in life david is waiting to hear the news of his son he's waiting to hear the news of his wife he's waiting to hear the news and i imagine david that your wait that day was an incredibly difficult wait and the psalmist says be still sometimes that is your only option like david and sometimes you're forced into that jen had to be under anesthesiology and to me as i think about the psalm this image to me is so powerful god says be still rest be silent wait and as Jennifer is not aware of what is going on there is so much activity that is happening the psalmist invites us to be still to rest to wait to be silent for God is at work be still rest be silent And wait for God alone, for my expectation is from him. The fascinating thing about the translation of this word Daman is it can mean still rest, silent, or wait. In fact, the very root word means to be astonished. I want to use the word dumbfounded, but it's not the word we use too much anymore. But to be dumbfounded, to be speechless and overwhelmed by the, 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 the goodness and graciousness and the bigness of God's work. To be dumbfounded. So God says, be still, rest, be silent, wait. Be astonished while you are quiet and resting in me with this amazing grace that I have. So the invitation from the psalmist is to wait, to be silent, to be still, to rest in God and be astonished. I think we're all astonished at the miracle of Jethro, and we can praise God for that. So be still, rest, and then in the psalm there are two choruses remember the Psalms are the hymn book of the Israelite people. There are two choruses, verse 2 and 3 and then 5 and 6 from which David and Jennifer had chosen them. And it's interesting, the chorus is repeated twice in the Psalm and the first and second chorus are almost identically except for two words that are changed and so it's the first chorus says truly my soul finds rest in God my salvation comes from them, from him truly he is my rock and my salvation he is my fortress i will never be shaken and then in verse 5 and 6 when this chorus is repeated again it says yes my soul find rest in God my hope comes from him Truly, he is my rock of my salvation, he is my fortress, I will not be shaken. So the first chorus we have to use the use of the word salvation, and the second chorus we have the use of the word hope. Now these two words are very similar, but I think it is beautiful that the psalmist uses this chorus and slightly adjusts the meaning. For as we look at the word salvation, in this psalm, the salvation that the psalmist talks about is about the past and the present. The psalmist looks back at how God has saved him and is saving him in this situation. So the first chorus talk about God's action and that we can rest in God's past and present actions that are visible to us, that are tangible, that we have experienced and that we have come through. But the psalmist is as human as you and I are, and know that we are in the process of waiting, continually. Things, we wait, things resolve, and then we wait some more. So the psalmist knows we can lean on the past and the present of God's sure and certain salvation. And then we can look forward with hope. Because while salvation is rooted in the past and the present, our hope is in the future that God is our hope, God is our expectation. And so the psalmist says, My soul, be still, rest, be silent, wait, for my expectation and my hope is from Him. And then lastly, My soul, be still, rest, be silent wait for God alone for my hope and my expectation is from him this is not any of our doing the psalmist wants to remind us you need to be still you need to rest you need to be silent you need to be wait waiting for God alone is your expectation and hope but he adds the emphasis because it is all from him this hope and the expectation is from God and so because we have this grace that God lavishes on us we rest in him because it comes from him by the way note that in Psalm 62 there is no timeline There's no timeline that says, if you wait for this long, this will happen. The psalmist simply says, be still, rest, wait, be silent, for God alone, for my expectation and hope is from Him. If the story of David and Jennifer and Jethro and their family tells us anything, it is that we can wait, enjoy and 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 lavish in God's past and present actions and continue to hope For God's grace in the future They have a long journey ahead of them, but the promise from scripture is that their hope and their expectation is from God One last thing David I love this line that you said in the video, and I don't know if you caught that what a beautiful experience when you're facing chaos in your life and this specific medical procedure to have your colleagues, your coworkers, and friends be in the operating room with you. And the last thing they say is, we love you. I love, David, you had said, because of that, with the friends and the colleagues, no matter the outcome, David said, no matter the outcome, I know we're in good hands. My soul, be still, rest, be silent, wait for God alone. For my hope and my expectation is from Him. And no matter the outcome, we, you and I, are in good hands. Amen.